You are listening to the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform we've created to bring the Nordic tech community together. My name is Charlotte Roberts and I'm your host. Firstly, I'd just like to say a big thank you um, to everyone for joining me today. Um, And of course, we're going to be discussing the topic tips for hiring managers, how we should be interviewing data engineers. Um, Before we begin, if we could go ahead and uh, everyone go around and just give a short introduction to themselves, uh, that'd be great. If if Magnus, if you'd like to start, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. Uh, hi guys, uh, and uh, yeah, my name is Magnus Stalbeck. I'm head of data analytics at Voy Technologies. Uh, so maybe you know, but we are leading shared micro mobility operator in Europe. Uh, so whenever you take the next scooter, choose the coral color ones. That would make me happy. Uh, I joined Voy just before the summer, so I'm quite fresh into my role. And yeah, before joining Voy, I came most recently from Teda Company, where I was leading the data engineering team at the group. Oh, lovely. Thank you very much, Magnus, for your introduction. If uh, Comrade, if you'd like to go next, that'd be great. Sure. Hi, everybody. Thank you for joining. My name is Conrad Wiltschuk. I'm the principal data scientist at Tele2, where I'm acting as a consultant. Um, what I enjoy most about my work is to create reusable assets that enable the clients to um, achieve value from their different use cases and to keep on shortening the time that it takes to build these projects and to raise awareness of AI and machine learning within our organization. In my free time, I play the guitar. Music is a huge part of my life. And you could also check out my band, Bossa Academica, on Facebook. It's unfortunately mm-hmm. not active, but that's a footprint I left. <laughs> no, definitely. I'll be sure to uh, check that out. I know that you've already uh, sent me over some inspiring music to listen to previously. So thanks for that. Miss um, Bear, if you'd like to go next, that'd be great. Yes. Uh, hi, everyone. Very nice to meet you both. Um, so my name is Ms. Baudin. I'm a, a machine learning engineer and a competence lead for machine learning engineers and data engineers at H&M. Uh, I joined H&M about three years ago. Before that, I was a software engineer. And then before that, I was a researcher in telecom uh, network management area. Um, I, in my regular work, apart from managing engineers and recruiting engineers, I like to work with, you know, uh, scalable systems, big data systems. Um, and I'm also very interested about building very, uh, like, uh, effective, efficient teams. Uh, you know, how can you do more with a uh, smaller number of people? Um, uh, when I'm not working with uh, data or machine learning, I I like to spend time with my family and I like hiking quite a lot. Oh, lovely. That's great. Thank you very much for your introduction. And Theo, certainly last but not least, if you'd like to introduce yourself, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Theo. I'm uh, Since about a uh, half a year ago, I'm a freelance uh, data engineer. Um, but I've been doing data engineering for, I'd say, almost 10 years now. Uh, it didn't used to be called data engineering, but uh, I've definitely been working with like big data for a long time in different uh, ways. Um, and in my free time, I have two small kids that you may or may not be hearing right now. So uh, 
so that's what I do. But but I also I'm really I like uh, building stuff um, and being outdoors in the nature. Mm-hmm. Oh, lovely! Thanks for that. Um, perfect. Yeah. So I'll just go ahead and jump straight in um, into the questions then. Uh, so first and foremost, it's um, Conrad. You you asked in order to interview effectively, it is important to know what you what we are looking for what is a data engineer? So if Comrade, if you'd like to give um, a bit of background uh, behind this question and sort of um, why you feel like it's important that we need to answer it first and foremost, that'd be great. Mm, so I think expectations management is a very big part of recruiting new candidates. <clears throat> and that uh, is especially important given that we have consistently been observing that there is a certain inflation happening on the titles on the job market. So things used to be called something different and you have more people jumping on a certain title because it gets trendy, the salary gets better, uh, the working condition maybe are associated to be better for various different reasons. So it's very important to sort of state clearly what type of person we're looking for. And even if we manage to agree on what a data engineer is, is what is exactly, then still there are certain peculiarities that you have to clarify what exactly is needed, where exactly is the focus, and um, yeah, that's that would be my opening statement for why this is an important question to answer first. No, great, I love but, that. But, Thank you. Much. But but just add one more sentence here on this. Like yeah. I, I think a data engineer, from for me at least, is someone that is a software engineer that works with the data stack and works with anything that has to do with data. You know, massaging, transforming, transforming it, moving from place to place, streaming uh, things at scale that requires larger computers than just laptops that type of sort of uh, description would qualify for a data engineer in my opinion would be happy to hear others yeah go on magnus did you want to go ahead and start yeah i can start yeah i I definitely share your view conrad on on that for me uh, data engineers really software engineers uh, specialized on on building data uh, processing software Um, but i also Kind of acknowledge your question. I think it's a really good one, actually, because I actually spoke to to my team today about uh, about this. And and uh, it's uh, if you look at the different companies that people come from that are working like, as data engineers at Voy, I think there's probably more or less one definition for each each of the person in the team. Um, so um, yeah, I mean at, at Voy, uh, data engineers are more focusing on like platform and ingestion and building uh, like platform capabilities than for example at Telia where I came from most recently where it also kind of included like building national data pipelines with all the data modeling and ELT and stuff like that so yeah def- very different I would say definitions and some companies maybe even dashboard development would be kind of included in this role so uh, but it seems like we kind of share the same same definition in 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 a large extent at least. Definitely, Theo, go ahead. Uh, yeah, so I also like to chime in and say I agree, uh, but uh, but it uh, really uh, does vary from company to company how you define the role. Uh, but maybe um, what would you say? To like to return the, an answer with a question, what would you say some characteristics that um, like depend um, no matter the the company 
the the role always tend to um, imply. I would say software and data, very broadly speaking. And then it comes in different shapes and forms like uh, Magnus here mentioned, of course. And I think also that ties to the expectation management. Where is the focus of a specific team? Is it around the platform? Is it about maintaining the infrastructure? Or is it more about you know, data ingestions and you know, the transformation and moving movements of data in and out? Mesper, did you add something to add to that? <laughs> yes, uh, so um, I totally agree with you. Uh, the at, at its core, every data engineer is a software engineer. Uh, and a lot of day-to-day -day work, even though the tooling is different, the nature of the problem is different, the practices are not necessarily different than any software engineer. Writing code, uh, uh, testing code, uh, making sure things are mostly automatic, if possible. Um, uh, one way that is a bit different uh, in my organization is that, you know, we have platform teams, but we also have, you know, product teams that uses data engineers, which means that, you know, we have data engineers who is building data platforms. Uh, and by that extension, they are working closer to the infrastructure, um, like cloud infrastructure to be specific. Uh, some are focusing more on the, you know, ETL management code or uh, libraries, whatever you want to call it. Then we have data engineers who basically focuses more on data assets and ETLs. So in, in by some extension, they because HNM is a large globe scale organization and we have tons of tons of data. The lineage of their data is quite deep. So you know owning the asset itself is a lot of uh, capability. You need a lot of capability. So. And what I want to extend with that argument is that, you know, uh, having a deep, deep sense of about the data, like how complex data really is, uh, especially in the large globe scale organization, uh, that 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 defines a data engineer quite a lot. That the world moves around data basically for them. A lot of nodding heads. Feel free to jump in. <laughs> I, I can add in and fill in on that. I think there's one, I think, kind of interesting um, new role in, in the market uh, that's, I think, coming more and more popular. It's called analytics engineer, which is kind of sits in between, I would say, data engineer and more data analysts and data scientists, um, which for me at least is kind of, yeah, I mean, that's really maybe where the overlap is and where the gray zones are if we look at what is the definition of this between the different companies in taking responsibility for the actual, you know, the data modeling and the, the ELT part and all preparing all the data for analysis. Meaning that if you have that kind of role in your organization, your data engineers would be more focusing on the platform, on the capabilities, on the tools to enable those analytics engineers to build your pipelines and then of course then serve the data analysts and data scientists with this data. So for me at least, I think that's, uh, uh, make things quite clear if we talk about the kind of uh, different uh, expertise uh, that you need end-to-end. It's -end. quite interesting uh, development, I think. Yeah, and I guess it will always also depend a lot of what your company does, uh, like, and what 
kind of products you have. Like if you have any data-driven products uh, within your company, um, like working for a data engineer work, to work together with uh, data scientists, that will be part of the you know <laughs> daily work. Um, whereas if it's more um, maybe related to 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 like analyzing data and you know perhaps doing some kind of reporting or dashboarding or whatever um, that might be more of the focus or it might be both or it might depend on the uh, the the period of the year or whatever so I might but I, I think that where a data engineer can really shine is when you start having like data products within your company. Mishba, mm. did you have something to add to that? Um, so uh, the the advantage of uh, working in a big organization is that you know you have everything in such high volume. The scale makes it kind of you know you are forced to standardize. Uh, or you know, forced to create uh, specialized roles uh, like this. So, for example, what you would call uh, so the way we see that there we have plenty of different data roles. Uh, we have data specialists, for example, they understand the meaning of the data. Uh, we have uh, basically uh, uh, platform developers who are data engineers and enabling other teams to write ETLs in an easy way. But we have also seen that use cases uh, have to generate uh, new data assets out of the existing data so much. And then the data needs to be sourced from so different systems, so many different systems. Think about uh, from the point of view of uh, H&M, we need stock data, we need sales data, we need customer data. None of these systems, none of these data resides in one system. They come from many different systems. Uh, so that basically brings in interesting challenges that we need to have uh, not just platform developers, but also people who has underst who understand the sources of data and you know how to build ETLs out of those. One thing I can think of adding here also is like what, what is the <clears throat> function of the data engineer as a part of a team? So one thing is like what are they themselves doing, but what do they do with the team? Like what type of aura are they, you know, propagating and, and habits and good practices, right? So for example, in our context and from various other projects I've been a part of, the data engineers have been essentially the guardians of clean and maintainable code. And uh, also like of good processes in how to deploy and maintain the data products that we're working on. And that is invaluable. It's extremely valuable to have people who, who can actually uh, you know, keep a track on how the different teams of different levels of skill sets and software statistics, etc., are building their solutions. Because in the future, someone will have to look look at them again, open the box up, perform some change, and you want that change to be an easy fix. You don't want that to be a project on its own. Mm. I agree. Yeah, certainly. So does anyone else have anything sort of to add to that just before we sort of move on um, to the next question? No, perfect. 
Lovely. So um, we're moving on and this this next question, it's Misba's question um, and it, it, it leads on quite nicely to this one. Um, so what are the right skills for data engineers to have? Um, so Misba, if you'd like to give a little bit of background behind um, behind this question and then we can just jump straight in on that one. Yes. Um, so uh, I, I have to work on different stages of recruiting a data engineer. So looking at job advertisement to, you know, uh, screening to, you know, uh, doing a CV interview or, you know, can sometimes even doing a sales pitch for the organization to, you know, technical evaluation, doing the culture feed interview, as well as, you know, the, in the last stages, making a contract and signing that person. And then, um, Collectively, what I figured out that there are certain number of attributes that you look in when you're trying to recruit a data engineer. Uh, some of those are very specific to data engineering role, but some of those are not necessarily specific to data engineering role. Um, so, for example, technical skills, uh, some of them are coming from from the field of software engineering, but you know there are also some specialized skill that comes from data engineering field. Uh, some specific skills that comes from systems engineering field. Uh, but then again, it, it only paints part, part, part of the picture. A data engineer needs to work in a team. Uh, a data engineer needs to solve a problem that belongs to the real world. Uh, and that brings in the soft skills, no? like a project management skill, growth mindset, uh, being team first. Uh, and I, I tend to see that there is, if not equal, there is uh, quite a high importance of having good soft skill for a data engineer. Um, so uh, I would like to know your view on this, like uh, what are the hyper technical skills that you look into? And then, you know, what are the soft skills that you also look into when you're recruiting a data engineer? So for for us firstly like it's probably very underappreciated but being a good team player is extremely important i have it hard to see a data engineer that would work in complete and total isolation without interactions and bouncing into other people and their requirements and stuff like that it but admittingly this is something that is quite difficult to to capture in interviews um <clears throat> but uh, apart from that we have the obvious things of the software engineering so we like to ask them to write a class, write some functions and see how they go up about it. And mm -hmm. here you'd be surprised. There are a lot of people on the market that uh, are applying for these type of roles and actually are not able to write a, a simple function. I didn't believe this myself until I started conducting interviews. And then uh, in our team, we're typically not looking for junior people unless there is someone really exceptional, but uh, for the regular like senior positions that, that we have announced and actually hired people for, uh, apart from just conducting the interview itself and seeing if they have been exposed to, you know, CI/CD, Git, can write a couple of commands in Docker, etc. Uh, we also like to ask them, like, how would they go about building and then invent some sort of data product? Because mm -hmm. if they can walk us through the steps of how this is done, then we can, with pretty high confidence, say that they would know how to actually implement this. Yeah, I, I, I really recognize everything uh, that you say, Conrad. Uh, and uh, my learnings through the like past, I would say, five years recruiting and interviewing data engineers on a on a weekly basis almost. 
uh, will be I, I mean right now I'm, I'm looking for the software engineering skills. Um, technologies within data come and go you know what you use today is will be different like two years from now for sure. Uh, so it's just a real ability to, to design and develop uh, uh, software using software engineering best practices that that's most valuable for me. I don't pay like too much attention I would say on how good you are at uh, SQL or do you know Java or Scala or have you worked with this and that database. Uh, it's more bonus for me I would say and going back to your question the Mispah on, on uh, soft skills. Um, I think one one thing that I really value in data engineers is the fine art of balancing you know, quality with, with speed and then find that uh, what's the good enough level uh, and you know think what's important short term and what's important long term um, and not always kind of have to rely on your product owner or some architect or some other people to do that but that must come like in, in every people on, on a daily basis I would say. I think yeah. that's a really oh sorry um Go on, Theo. Oh, yeah, I was just going to say, because uh, I think there's a phenomenon where people will invent like data platforms, like uh, if there aren't a, like a team uh, pushing for for uh, for a data platform, other teams will start inventing their own platform where they, you know, pull some uh, different connections to different databases a bit back and forth because they have the need to do it. So I think um, a real good skill to have is to be kind of an advocate for the solutions that you build and uh, try to to uh, to to gather uh, people uh, to kind of work towards using a shared solution instead of everyone building their own uh, you know ad hoc solutions. Uh, and for to do that, I think it helps to be a bit humble and be uh, you know interested in. Uh, helping other people out. I fully agree with what you said there because after all nothing is more <clears throat> permanent than a temporary solution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> totally. True, well said. Um, and so uh, what I would like to add here, so I would not repeat uh, and I'm not contradicting you, so that means I'm agreeing with you. Uh, so uh, we we also what so whenever we interview data engineers, not only we focus on you know uh, when when the if we are giving them a technical challenge, are they writing using a good uh, software engineering mindset? You know, using function, thinking about design first and write later, uh, asking questions, thinking about requirements. Uh, also, you know, thinking about test from the very beginning, but uh, we also try to challenge uh, data engineers a little bit, like how would they work in a uh, in a team that that is formed with people unlike them, like you know, uh, different gender, different nation, different levels of education. Uh, if the engineer is a very senior, then how would they would they work with a very junior people? If the engineer is a junior engineer, how would they work with the very senior people? Uh, so uh, finding a team, good team dynamic is quite important to be effective. Uh, and and uh, and we we expect that data engineer they don't have to be very good 
you know, at everything. Like they don't have to be a very good mentor, but they have to have the mindset to be that person. Uh, and uh, in the same way, I think a bit of a project management skill is necessary in every software, every professional. Uh, otherwise, you are basically relying on someone else to manage you to do your work. Uh, I, I think modern product owner should not have to manage at least a senior person. Uh, so more senior you are, I would assume that more you know how to manage your work, how to communicate your work, how to demo your work, how to collect feedback about your work and all those. Yeah, totally agree. I, I think usually when we talk about data engineers, we kind of assume that they have a few years of experience already because mm -hmm. you've, you're usually start out as a, you know, general uh, developer or backend developer or something like that. And you like transition into uh, data often by accident or by chance. Uh, so, so I think it's the assumption is kind of that if you call yourself a data engineer, you probably have some experience as a software developer so and that then i think it's it's so much more like important that like like you say that the, you are um expected to be able to manage yourself like you you don't you don't expect you know that you will need uh, exact requirements on what to do or like expect you know Step one, step two, step three. You know, you, you should be able to to figure that out. Uh, or if you can't figure it out, you know, uh, talk with people and uh, uh, you know, get get the project uh, done. <laughs> yeah, that's a description of a senior person, right? <clears throat> to be you know self motivated, self driven. Okay. So, so the soft skills and the soft parts that uh, Mispa mentioned here, I think they're really, really important. And uh, in our process, like before we even get to the technical interview and take up time of the engineers in our team to to conduct the interview, we actually uh, let the candidate meet the the line manager, who just like you know measures the temperature, checks what is the ambition level of this person, and mm -hmm. actually like sort of validates if the person did the right thing by applying to the announcement that we laid out. Because like I mentioned earlier, there is a inflation on the market with people calling themselves data engineers, even though in the sense that we have defined it, they are not. So maybe there are people who have worked with Tableau and data in that sense, um, got the label of data engineer, and then they apply for this position because it sounds interesting or they want to develop their skills, which is totally fair. But that may not necessarily be what we're looking for. Mm. I agree. Um, I think uh, just to fill in there, I mean, if you look at uh, you know the profiles and CVs you get when during recruitment, if it says, for me, what I've learned at least, if it says data engineer, that doesn't mean anything for me. It could really <laughs> be. I mean, I, I'm doing ETL stuff in Informatica, or maybe even building Tableau dashboards, or I can be a super strong software engineer. You know, <laughs> it's everywhere. Um, and to, to add on yeah. this uh, on this element that I mentioned about our interviewing, right? That uh, the meeting with the line manager, uh, like at that step, we also assess like the the sort of cultural fit into the team. Diversity is a very important thing for us. And funny thing is, like, uh, first of all, the good thing is we have a lot of people from many different countries, which is great, and I really really enjoy such environments. And we have also managed to to achieve a very good uh, gender balance. And I think. As like friends outside of work, we also click quite well, and those are important things, albeit difficult to capture. 
unless you pay attention to the conversation and you ask the right questions and you try to you know approach them uh, in a way as a friend essentially even in our interviews which are technical we have a shared screen session with the candidate so we're not you know sending them uh, assignments and saying hey solve this and i want to see how you do it but we're acting like we're colleagues working on the same project mm. and this interaction tells us a lot about how would it actually be to work with that person on a project often we do pair programming and an interview like this essentially sees how would an experience like this look like uh, on a full scale once we hire this person interesting uh, I I'd could like add to, just, just yeah. one thing, if I Sorry. may. Uh, we're also allowing the candidate to use Google during the interview, which is uh, some people would say like, oh, but senior people should need to do that. But in the end of the day, <laughs> we are all guilty of doing this. And uh, when my I don't eyes think look, that has anything to do with seniority. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, if but that actually, is the case, like, I, I'm not senior at all. No, I, no, 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 no. I need to Google everything. I have to, I have to add one sentence to this uh, uh, until you make your conclusion on this. But yeah, okay. Sorry. I think the way someone uh, types the question and how they are formulating their search queries, that tells a lot if they have done this before and they actually know what they're looking for. Then mm -hmm. how they read the API and what they extract from it, that is also a very telling signal of the seniority. That, that's, what, that's what I wanted to so you analyze uh, what they search. <laughs> well, well, like those are meta. subliminal messages that we get from this. Yes, they, they give some signal and some input to us. They do. So if it's like how to do data engineering, then it's <laughs> like maybe a red flag. Maybe, <laughs> but maybe, just maybe. <laughs> Um, uh, one soft skill I want to mention here is that um, that's quite important is uh, the growth mindset. Uh, the growth mindset for me is basically where the where it comes from curiosity of a person. Uh, it doesn't have to be someone does not need to be too ambitious or you know you know very competitive for me growth mindset about you are open to new ideas you are open to you know change you a little bit you know in the face of every new challenges um, sometimes growth can come from doing technical work sometimes growth can actually come from by working with someone with a very different background um, and uh, the way we uh, try to see in a person like how do you even figure out whether a person has a growth mindset or not so the way we try to figure it out is by uh, you know asking questions like uh, have they changed roles before and how they have gone through that journey uh, what what steps did they took what mistake they made and what did they learn from that that's a very good question. Yeah, I think uh, now I'm just thinking about like this kind of uh, similar scenarios I've had before with data engineers that have maybe lacked a bit of a growth mindset and kind of different conflicts that people have ended up in. Two engineers fighting of their version of the best solution. Uh, I think that's also a good question in the, in the interview to ask, ask them to I mean, explain because I think everyone has been in conflict. Uh, okay, this is my proposal of how to solve solve this problem uh, and it's in just in conflict with someone else and how they kind of manage to to sort that out i think that's also a good question to add yeah uh, i just wanted to add something to what you said before about you know you get all these uh, um all these applicants that 
you know, claim they're data engineers and then they have a very thin CV regarding uh, data or like, so the way I've kind of view it, you know, as a data engineer, what you typically do that is maybe more than just, you know, build Tableau dashboards is kind of divided into uh, like data infrastructure. Um, so that's a lot of, you know, setting up systems and, you know, databases and and designing like architecture for mm. for like how to move data around if, if efficiently but the other side is more like i guess what we call like pipeline building or you know etl um where it's more about thinking like efficiency and this kind of uh like i think everyone starts out with a very naive you know uh, when you do your first kind of MapReduce uh, function, you do it like you try to store everything in memory and then you realize, oh, that doesn't work. And then you, I mean, you evolve from that, but, uh, but I think that's maybe a, 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 like where there is kind of a dividing line between those two uh, uh, functions, like setting up or like the, infrastructure and architecture and the more hands on working with large data sets and uh, you know efficiently both you know cost and time wise uh, i mean if your your like pipelines never finish uh, then <laughs> they're going to be infinitely expensive as well so <laughs> Yeah, oh, I agree. So, but I hope you don't write MapReduce jobs still, do you? Oh, I meant more uh, MapReduce, like uh, the concept of mapping and reducing. Yeah. But no, uh, good. I'm 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 quite fortunate that I don't have to do that anymore. <laughs> My Hadoop days are over. Yeah. <laughs> No, I think um, everyone's made some really um, interesting points there. And I think from um, a recruitment point of view as well, it's interesting because I think um, whenever I've um, received, you know, jobs that need filling and that sort of thing, I always look for sort of key skills in terms of what, what, the, what they're looking for technically and that sort of thing. But the one thing that seems to always stick is sort of uh, the soft skills and it's it's interesting to find out from from each of you sort of how you measure that and it, it must be difficult as well um to to understand that from you know maybe one cultural interview and, and that sort of thing um but it does that question does definitely lead us on quite nicely to magnus's question um which is more sort of the technical side so how to best design and use technical home assignments during the recruitment process um so if magnus if you'd like to give us a bit of background behind that and we can jump straight in yeah of course. Uh, no, I think uh, one of the more like a uh, topic that every time pops up when we kind of go into new recruitment process is okay. How do we do? Should we do like uh, test cases or te technical home assignments? And I, personally, my experience is that I think if you if you do it right, it's maybe the best tool to evaluate your candidates. But like we've said already, like uh, people can claim um, I know how to write a good class, like you said, Conrad. But you know, when you actually uh, have a, a technical case to do it, you, many actually fail. So I really recognize that. 
But if you do it wrong, it could also be waste of time, waste of time for the company, waste of time for the candidate. And if you like, I mean, if you do too ambitious, let's say you have a candidate that has like um, five different openings, you know, and you ask that candidate to do like an eight hour home assignment, then there's a big risk, I would say, that uh, he, he or she will forget about you in that case. So it's, I, I think it's a bit tricky to find like a good, uh, home assignment, technical robot ambition level, when to apply it in the process. Should we do it early, more in the, in the screening phase, or should we do it like in the end when you have a you know, short list or a few candidates, or uh, should you do generic algorithms, kind of problem solving, or should we try to do it as relevant as possible for the company? For example, if we take the comparison with when we recruit data analysts at VOI, we, we have a case where we actually provide them real data, real production data from from our system. So and that that you know makes it much more, I think, interesting and fun for the candidates. Uh, and they learn something in the process about the company as well. So so my question back to you is more like, okay, what are your experiences in, in this? What are the do's and don'ts when it comes to technical cases or technical home assignments? So as I stated earlier, like in our case, we have made a conscious decision of not doing home assignments. Uh, our belief here is that uh, if you make it too easy, then the candidate can eventually, even a weak candidate can solve it and you will get like a, a false positive in this case. Uh, or you make it too difficult, in which case it's what, what you already mentioned, Magnus, that they might just not want to apply for your position. And the good candidates, they, they have a lot of good offers, so they, they will typically if they see one that requires them to spend eight hours on doing something at least, because then again, they might run into some specific problems that they will eventually be able to solve, but then it will be two days and not eight hours. Then, then they would of course prefer to do something different and look in, in the other direction. Um, so um, I could, I could share it. So we, tend to prefer whiteboarding or you know pair programming uh, over home assignment although we have considered home assignment uh, on a certain cases which could have saved us uh, some extra time like you know extra interviews but uh, generally our line of thinking regardless whether it's a home assignment or you know or in person uh, technical challenge discussion uh, uh, what I what we would like to start with is some so thinking about tables is a very natural way about thinking about data. Uh, although I would not say that all data can be represented as tables, but this is something that you can communicate very very quickly, and that's what is very important when you're interviewing. You need to be efficient at presenting the challenge. Um, so we typically present some related data. Uh, we don't say it's a database table. We don't say it's a JSON file or anything. Just show some table and we ask them some simple aggregate to, to calculate some sort of simple aggregate. We don't mention which language to use, whether to write function, whether to write class or, you know, just we just want the answer to that question. Keeping it, so basically what we are trying to do, give them a data problem, but keep the solution space pretty much open. And then based on how the uh, how the we also mentioned that this is a sample data, meaning that this is not the total breadth of the data. 
and for the fun of it, we also include some uh, garbage into that data, meaning that it's not a clean data. Uh, so uh, we want to see, to begin with, what sort of uh, approach do they take to write the code? Do they start by writing a good function? Do they start by asking question about the nature of the data itself? Like what does the garbage data mean there? Like what are the interpretation of different fields? Uh, then uh, if they are uh, like if they are approaching the solution, then uh, we try to see if they are following good software engineering practices, like you know, writing good function, writing good class, thinking about the test cases from the very beginning. But whenever someone passes that stage, we are certain that at least their basics are okay. Uh, and then we try to increase the challenge a little bit by saying, you know, uh, how would you deal with if there is a lot of garbage data like this in the data? How would you deal with that? How would you address that problem? Or if instead of having hundreds of rows, what if there is 100 million rows? How would you change your solution? So just, you know, pushing them a little bit to think more towards, you know, uh, reliability, fault tolerance and, you know, uh, validation and, you know, scalability uh, on, on, on uh, and then if, if a candidate is also very used to doing that, then we take them to how would you take it to production? Like what sort of system would support such a function, for example? Uh, but basically increasing the complexity of the problem, starting from something very simple, but increasing the complexity. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good thing to do indeed. Um, just add to my earlier point also, one thing that we like to see during the interviews is to capture how does the candidate think around something. So we actively encourage them to tell us what is going on in their head, what are they looking at, in which directions are their thoughts going. And uh, this is something that you wouldn't, for example, capture with a home assignment, the, the way of thinking. And sometimes the way people think is possibly more important than the solution itself in some cases. Yeah, I think that the, the Home assignment will always just be, you know, the start of uh, the interview process or the, you know, uh, one part of it. Uh, but it can't be the the full interview process. Like you always, you need to uh, interact. Like you said, you know, come with follow up questions uh, and you know, uh, ask about the solution. Like, okay, why did you do this? And it might be, you know, oh, I was, you know, really stressed, so I. If they've done something silly, you know, it's like, um, and so it might not be that they are bad developers just because no. they made, you know, uh, one mistake in, in their code. Um, so, like, actually interacting and, and asking follow up questions is, I think, really uh, useful. Uh, and in that sense, I don't think that you really um, uh, get so much return from having a really uh, involved. Uh, uh, home assignment like it doesn't need to take you eight hours or uh, more uh, to to be able to capture these things uh, and uh, so ideally also it should be something that scales to if you have more experience it should take take you shorter time because uh, i guess quite commonly if you are more experienced you have less time because you have like <laughs> a lot of other stuff going on and if you're less experienced you probably have more Time, just in general so maybe that is good because it is kind of yeah suiting for most people then 
Yeah, great, uh, great thoughts. Uh, Miss ba- uh, just to understand, uh, the process you explained, was that home assignment or like no, that's real time? A, that's a live coding okay. session. Uh, and we don't ask a lot of detailed questions, just a few simple questions just to get into their mindset. And then again, we try to keep it as a conversation. So it's not that we ask a question and then we stay silent. It's almost like a if I'm trying to figure out a solution with you, how would I do it? But I expect that you want you to lead the conversation, then, you know, I'm the supporting person there. Um, uh, I am uh, personally, I'm not uh, necessarily against the idea of home assignment, provided that it is uh, done uh, in a manner that to the, if you think about take home assignment is, if you are working on an elaborate, a bit elaborate problem, then three tables. <laughs> uh, then a take-home assignment can save you a lot of time in introducing the problem. Uh, and you know, you can also you know get nuanced discussion. Why did you choose this sort of data structure over other sort of data structures? Uh, a table can be combined many different ways. Uh, so, so those reasoning can also be interesting. Um, but uh, general, my general philosophy, I'm not against the idea of home assignment. I think it can work on a case by case basis. When we interview, every person is different, <laughs> and then you know, different strategy could work for different people. Uh, but uh, I think keeping it open. Uh, to spark conversation and you know to you know have an opportunity for the candidate to share their reflection is is that's my general principle yeah i think that's something you maybe you lose when you do like home assignments over uh whiteboard assignments because when you do whiteboard uh, type assignments you can be very vague like intentionally vague so you i i've done um interviews where i like pretend to be this you know uh, crazy startup owner and i want to do something really crazy you know and then just to see like how will they react to like working with very vague requirements and you kind of want them to you want them to pull the requirements out from you uh and then they'll start building a solution whereas when you do home interviews, usually you need to you need to specify it a bit more clearly because otherwise you might get solutions which are like way way off because you don't have the you aren't you're not there to be able to like guide them towards uh, the, the the solution. So so I guess yeah I think they both they have the like uh, cons and uh, pros uh, but but that's probably something to think about. It's almost tempting to ask the candidate to do something like draw to parallel lines that intersect at one point and then see how they would go about doing that. Exactly. <laughs> would they actually push back or attempt doing it, right? Exactly. No, but like I, I do like sort of open-ended um, problems too, because if you give people like a broad problem that can be solved in many different ways, from the most simple one to the you know medium or super elaborate advanced, and also ask them to, of course, tell which way do they want to go, uh, the type of answer I would expect to hear is like the simplest would, would be this and it will take me like two minutes to do it or five. But uh, if I would do it like in a real scenario, then probably I would look to the like mid-tier solution or the or the higher end solution. And this this sort of question also allows to see a spectrum of like of the knowledge of the candidate. How, how knowledgeable are they? 
Excellent thoughts, really. And I think one one final question: Are you do are you designing these kind of cases, also the whiteboard cases, like that ties back back into your systems or your data where you work, or is it more generic? I I prefer not. I prefer to be generic. Uh, because uh, every domain is different. Uh, so it, it takes some time to understand if you're going for something specific. Uh, so I, when I'm picking up these data challenges, I just look into open data sources. Uh, you know, that most people know Boston housing data set or Titanic data set or, you know. Yeah, we do the same. Yeah, I mean, usually your uh, your own data sets that you own are not the issue. Uh, it's, you know, you should be able to like generalize uh, the the questions and the, the problems to to open data sets, which makes things much easier and your security team much happier. <laughs> yeah, I, I get your point. Uh, definitely. I think also if you can, it's actually, I think, more fun for the candidate if they if it's more Know, related to where that person would work. Um, but yeah, I get your point. So just, just add one final thing here, like um, when I do the data science interviews with candidates, uh, one like the very first question I ask them is like, what type of data do you think this is? And I want to see like, how they reason around it. Are they able to infer the sort of purpose of the data set, the source of the data set? Because that type of understanding is very important in the things that, that we're doing. I think that's a, a really good point to to add on on that as well. Um, one thing that I've noticed as well, um, as long as sort of um, the home assignment or the questions that are asked to to the candidate are so, sort of very direct to what they'll be actually doing in the job. I think that's that makes the biggest difference um, for the candidate um, as well as as uh, for you as a hiring manager as well. Because um, I have I have had situations in the past where um, or it, it does seem you know more so in larger companies that they have you know um, home assignments or home tests that are sent and that's the first mark before moving and forward but they're very general um, and they're not not very much you know set towards um, what the candidate will actually be doing at the job and that can you know that can um, mean the candidates being fallen at the first hurdle they could be perfect for the job but unfortunately you know they've not passed a test that everyone has to pass to move forward which it can be a shame sometimes because you know that they'd be you know potentially ideal for the positions that that they're applying for um but no yeah definitely some really good points that have been um made on that one um, and that brings us nicely to our final question as well, um, which is from Theo. So what are some questions you must ask a data engineer candidate to make an informed decision? So Theo, if you'd like to um, run with this one, that'd be great. Yeah, I think the question kind of says it all, but uh, I guess sometimes you can be very uh, constrained on time. Um, so what are some questions? And I guess for the audience uh, listening to this probably uh, are interested. What are some questions which are specific to 
to data engineering, uh, like hiring data engineering, that you feel like if you had only time to, you know, 10 minutes to ask someone uh, a few questions, like wh what are those questions? So Something, uh, oh, sorry, go yes. ahead. Um, uh, okay, so sometimes if I don't have a lot of time, uh, I usually start with asking by, uh, you know, could you explain this sort of join to me? Uh, join is an interesting problem that you can start from very simple and take it to very, very complex. Uh, so that's one of my go-to questions. Um, so from our end, um Whatever they do, we like to <clears throat> push their limits and see how far we can get. And that is like just stating, how could you make this better? Could you make this faster? Could you make it more performant? How would you go about it? And mm -hmm. then when they get an answer, we would typically ask it again. Have we reached the limit of what we can squeeze out of this? Or is there something more that we could do, right? And there is a sort of a multitude of possible answers to that question. So it goes back to this open-endedness of the challenges. But also on a non-technical question, something we like to see uh, is also to ask things like, what is the latest new tech that you have read about or latest framework you have checked out? Or is there something that you wanted to try out, but you haven't tried it on your project due to time constraints, but in the future you'd be curious to integrate that? And what this question captures is the interest of the person in uh, in the profession itself and if they're staying up to date with things. I think that's a really good question. I agree. I'll steal that one from you. <laughs> uh, no, I can just fill in. I think if, if I would listen to the heated uh, discussion uh, between some of the engineers in my team earlier today, it would probably be if they do trailing or leading commas in, in SQL. But uh, well, I think uh, if looking back what question I always ask is something that touches upon so, uh, software engineering. Uh, one question I often ask is, explain kind of what differs a strong software engineer from from a strong coder and I think you'd be surprised how challenging actually many can candidates find that question uh, especially you know when you ask follow-up questions on their answers so that's always something I try to cover but of course this goes back to what is the, the scope of the data near what's the role of the data near at, mm. at your company that that might differ um, sometimes I also ask like what what are their recent uh, complicated data engineering challenges that they face uh, uh, and I I am not necessarily looking for a success case I, I would rather listen to a failed case than a success case uh, but uh, it, it shows me uh, depending on how elaborate they go on on this like how how they're how much they are willing to do deep dive into problems that they don't know how to solve it. Just adding on from that as well, um, is there any sort of um, questions, not necessarily questions that you'd have, or in terms of your top tips that you have got um, whilst you know interviewing data engineers, is there any sort of recruitment processes that you've gone through that you've found has been sort of the best um, way for you either you know whilst you've been recruited yourself or whilst hiring for someone else and have you got any sort of top tips um, that you'd like to add add at the end um, I, I i think one one thing that i would encourage data engineers or any engineers 
any software, anyone who writes code is uh, try to do pair programming as much as possible. It really sharpens up interviewing skill uh, because pair programming is where you have to do your uh, skilled work while you are communicating. Um, and that's basically the essence of interview. Perfect, I love that, thank you. Still thinking, but I think we covered so many interesting stuff already, so it's a bit hard to, to come up with something new that's kind of adding something, but uh, no, yeah, maybe you other guys have something. I'll, I'll, I'll declare there are three things that are important. I haven't counted them specifically, but number one would be to see how the person writes code. I think that's something that is crucial. So you want to see how they write in code, how they're writing classes. You want to throw a problem at them that will require them to Google for something and see how can they uh, integrate new information, how quick are they at doing this also. Uh, I don't know if we should count it as the second one, but if we do, then the third one should be uh, ask them a non-technical technical question, which would be something that I mentioned earlier about what is the latest thing or challenge they have solved or what is the latest framework they have heard about that they would be looking to try out to see also how uh, yeah, how ambitious they are, how how motivated to to keep pushing and learning new things. Because I think in our field, like five years is essentially a new generation. So mm -hmm. you you want to have people on your team that uh, that are ahead and are looking forward and are definitely not uh, stuck in some technology that is about to become deprecated. Conrad, you're not referring to Mapreduce, are you? I make no judgment. The <laughs> yeah, map for this is definitely deprecated. I actually feel uh, tangentially like some pipeline uh, work might be replaced by just writing, you know, SQL instead. Uh, <laughs> because, uh, you know, like BigQuery, for instance, is getting to a point where it's, you know, fast enough and scalable enough that you can do a lot uh, that you traditionally do an ETL pipeline for uh, just by writing a query, which is, has its own drawbacks because mm -hmm. it's kind of, it's hard to test the, yeah. the query and it's hard to like, yeah, it's, it has its challenges, but I think that's an interesting like breakpoint that's happening with, yeah. That's <laughs> uh, so a true, a good reflection. I think uh, the tech stack is coming, going back to its roots in a way, uh, more, uh, you know, SQL rather than, than Scala and, or MapReduce even. And uh, uh, I think for, for me, that's, I think it's a good, good uh, trend, uh, good direction to go.